Well, that's a wrap on the 2021 Chicago Bears season and Matt Nagy's tenure. On this episode of the Chicago Audible, we will break down the Bears' loss here to the Minnesota Vikings. But before we get to that, the NFL playoffs do begin next week without the Bears, and sports betting season keeps ramping up. And that means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for nearly three decades, thriving and paying you, the loyal customer. What's great about BetUS is that they have loads of bonuses. So join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code CHICAGO125. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props, as well as loads of NFL futures and odds. BetUS also gives you options in addition to the NFL. You can bet on UFC matches, the NBA, NHL, and much more. So follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 18 Chicago Bears postgame show, our first ever 17th postgame show as the Chicago Bears lost to the Minnesota Vikings 31-17. to They fall to 6-11 on the season, and this is a game that they had pretty much in hand in the first half, but ended up being outscored 28-3 to in the final 30 minutes of the game. I'm Russell DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-host Mason West to kind of break it down for us one final time. Mason, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the show, and we're going to keep this one a little brief. Uh, we expect to have more content throughout the week with Black Friday, uh, Black Monday coming up tomorrow, and you never know what news is going to kind of shake out and win. Uh, in this game, I don't think it warrants too much of a breakdown uh, by any means. So maybe we can look at this game. I don't think it was what you expected. What, how do you want to just begin it? I don't even have a great way to kind of frame it. I guess it's it's confirmation more than anything. I mean, we knew a lot of this, and we knew what this was going to end up looking like for the most part. But it just, again, just confirmation of where the Bears are at and ultimately what they were over the last you know couple of years under the Matt Nagy regime. Um, you know, I think one of the things that really pulls that out was the fact that the Bears had fourth and one, I believe it was three times, and they had two sacks, one pick six. They threw it all three times when you had a running back like David Montgomery, who more often than not can get you that one yard. And it's if that doesn't encapsulate kind of what this this era has been for the Bears, then I'm not really sure what does. Uh, there's a few things here and there throughout the throughout the game whether it's the big plays led up by the defense you know they had a real good start of this game and then they decided eh, we're just not cover uh, anyone uh, any longer I think the Vikings had three players who averaged at least 21 yards per reception 
the back end of that defense, for some reason, decided not to come out of the locker room at halftime. Um, but the fourth and ones, Mason, uh, when we talk about the offense, you know, we can really get into it. Um, but that was definitely one that I think everyone uh, is kind of clamoring about right now after the game. Uh, you said three. I thought it was four of those, which makes it even Probably worse. Four, and again, they all look the same. It's fourth and one. You, you let, Whether Montgomery's on the sideline or in the backfield, doesn't matter. You're not going to hand it off to him. It makes no sense. We don't know what a halfback dive is inside zone. Uh, it doesn't matter. You can run I formation, power it. I don't care. But the last thing you need to do is do what you did last time, which is not hand the ball off. And allow Andy Dalton to roll back, you know, drop back with pressure in his face and have no time to do anything. Uh, that happened way too often here in this game. Uh, pure comedy uh, by the time that interception came to be uh, at the end of it as well. Uh, it just could have get, you know, got worse and worse, which again is a microcosm of the Matt Nagy era as well. But let's jump into our opening drive, and I want to begin. Uh, with my monster moment of the game. And Mason, uh, you can tell me this is a cop-out or not, but my monster moment of the game is when that final whistle blew. No, I think that's fair uh, because there is really there's nothing that would have happened in this game that kind of mattered. The most important thing was that it ended. Yeah, no, it really, you know, I'm glad it's over. Uh, honestly, it was real tough to watch here uh, throughout, like I said, the second half by itself. And even the first half, like, yeah, we're winning. But yet again, the same song uh, to the you know same dance as well, moving the ball, getting inside the 30, and then just deciding like, oh, we forgot how to play offense. Uh, yet again, over and over again. In the preview show, I mentioned how atrocious the Bears were in the red zone the first time they played the Vikings. This time, they couldn't even reach the red zone. Like They decided like the 30 is now the new threshold in which we're going to just go completely inept uh, on this side of the ball. But I'm just glad it's over. Uh, I'm tired of you know having to talk or think about you know, coaches being fired and why is everything going wrong. And now we can really kind of shift our focus into improving and fixing because you can't really do that in season. Uh, so that's why the 2021 20, Bears season officially ending, allowing us to kind of recalibrate with a promising young rookie quarterback now second year quarterback Justin Fields and that's why I think that's going to be my monster moment the game and honestly when you look at the plays nothing really warranted the official monster moment uh, as well so Mason I hand it over to you uh, I know usually we do a standout stat I haven't been doing a postgame show for about two months now it's my first time back <laughs> behind a mic for one of these so I don't know if you're still doing stats or if you just have like a general opening statement but whatever you want to do here uh, in our opening drive take it away yeah, I'll, I'll do a little combo of stat factoid. So starting on a positive note, Darnell Mooney, right? Going over a, a thousand receiving yards. That's fantastic for him and something that's there to build upon. Uh, on the other end of it, more of a specific stat is just the general lack of any efficiency by the Bears in terms of third, fourth, et cetera, right? Third down, 33%, fourth down, 17%, one for six overall, 0% in the red zone and 0% in goal to go. You can't win a football game like that. Uh, and it's just, it is frustrating, um, because it just seems like there was no learning going on. This was something that that could have almost been the stat of the game every week, uh, especially specifically when there were losses, right? What is happening on third, fourth down? Uh, and just the fact that it was, it was almost always like, all right, this is a fourth down situation. Like kind of that commenter in your head. And it's, it was always, this is a fourth down situation because you just never know when the bears are actually ever going to be in a position 
you know, on their opponent's half of the field to take advantage of it. So it's like, well, we're here. Might as well go four downs. Yeah, uh, one of six on fourth down. Mason, has do you think any other team this year has been sub 20% on fourth down? Like, hey, you have to go for it plenty of times to get under that mark. I, obviously, you can go 0%, but in terms of at least getting one conversion, I don't know if any other team's been under 20% who has converted a fourth down in this game, like in this season. Like, that's a remarkable stat in of itself. Well, absolutely. I mean, like you said, like, how many teams need to go for it on fourth down six times alone, let alone only convert <laughs> one of them? Like, that's ridiculous. No, it's literally insane, which, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So I'm not going to go out there and call the Bears coach that per se, but he was living up to at least the definition today with those fourth down calls. Uh, let's jump in now, Mason, to the second quarter of the show, and let's just kind of keep this train rolling and talk about uh, the Chicago Bears offense a, a little bit more. Uh, obviously, we saw Andy Dalton here today. Uh, the offensive line, as well as he, did not help one another. Uh, I think it was sacked seven times uh, here in this game, really held the ball way too long, trying to make a little bit too much happen uh, what's just your quick summary of what we saw here on offense? Uh, obviously, early on, able to move the ball until you got to the 30, but then the Vikings came out of halftime with a little bit of chip on their shoulder, something to prove. I'm sure they had a good halftime speech about, you know, you only got 30 minutes. Is that how you really want to go out? Made some adjustments, and the Bears could not counter. Again, another microcosm of the Nagy era, but I'll leave it over to you. What's just some of your top-level thoughts about uh, the final time we saw Nagy's offense here in Chicago? It's just one of those instances where, and we see this year in and year out, where there's almost a fakeness to this offense whenever you do see success. Because even in the first half, when they the Bears were winning, and they were clearly dominating like time of possession, and actually in theory dominating the Vikings, because at one point the Vikings had negative net passing yards, it, it was there was a fallacy to it. Because a lot of it was set up by you know issues on the Vikings end, good field position that the defense was able to give them in that first half. And, you know, one of the differences between this year or last year comparing all the way to 2018 was that the offense really wasn't able to get any touchdowns out of it, right? I mean, they, it was field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. And that's ridiculous. When you start with as good a field position as you do, you're not on the five. You're not starting inside the 20 every single time. And most NFL franchises, yes, if let's say they started the ball in the 20, are going to be able to march 10, 20, 30 yards before they have to punt. The Bears are given the ball like at the 50, Yes, you get 10, 20 yards. Like, oh, look at this. We're on our opponent's 30-yard line. This is great. No, you were, give, you were given this opportunity. And it, and with them being even ahead, Dave Montgomery goes off to the wayside, right? It's why is he not more of, of a focal point? He had 20 attempts, but it just didn't feel like a 20, if that makes sense. I mean, he had mm -hmm. 72 yards, 3.6 yards per carry, which overall, pretty solid. I'll take three. I mean, if you give the ball to him three times, that means he's going to get a first down in theory. And, and then Khalil Herbert, four attempts. It's just, give me more of that. Like right now, with the way your team is constructed, unfortunately, that is the strength of your team. You're you're not super dynamic. If Darnell Mooney and everybody else, because Robinson's not giving you much, Komet's not giving you much. It, it was just like just a stubbornness from moving what Nagy wanted to do and just say, I'm going to go on my own terms. But it was such a fizzle of a, my own terms. Fizzle. I, I like that term there, Mason. Darnell Mooney, of course, had a phenomenal game. Uh, 12 mm -hmm. catches on 16 targets, 126 yards. 
Do you think they came into this game just expecting to give it to him, you know, early and often, just to see, well, hope that he can reach uh, that 1,000 yard mark, which he did. So, congratulations to Darnell for being a 1,000 yard receiver, uh, the first for the Bears since 2014, which was Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, if you have your Bears history enough in your head, you'll know that also was Mark Tressman's final year here in Chicago. So, another interesting factoid about how some parallels are happening between uh, those two coaches and 1,000 yard receivers. Uh, I was very, you know excited to see him involved but I thought at points he was too involved like why can't we get anyone else uh, in moving as well or, and maybe it's just you know talent maybe it's scheme and Mooney is you know the outlet that's working so keep going to it but I was still disappointed that you know no one else besides what I mean your bird somehow had five catches and I don't even recall half of those <laughs> well and I I do think you're right. I think there was a probably at least a little bit of that motivation, like, hey, let's get into a thousand yards. Players keep track of that. Coaches keep track of that. They care. Same thing, you know, with Robert Quinn's sacks. You, even if Quinn didn't necessarily show elation with it, you could tell the rest of the team cared about it. You saw that on the Vikings side that it seemed like the players really wanted to get Justin Jefferson that record that for, for yardage. But you know, Mike Zimmer is Mike Zimmer, and uh, you know, no one on the team can have nice things. <laughs> so that wasn't going to happen today, apparently. Uh, so they, they do care about that. So I think there was. Definitely a factor there. Um, and then part of it is just when you do watch what's happening, uh, some of it's the play design. Like you need six yards, but you have four flies going downfield and they're all covered. So yeah, no no wonder it's only going to be the cross underneath the Mooney that's open. Some of it's going to be this lack of separation by the rest of the receivers. You know, Allen Robinson, it's not like I was like, oh, you know, why aren't you getting the ball to A-Rob? He's wide open. He just wasn't getting open. Cole Komet. And some of it is the the noodle arming that was going on by Andy yeah. Dalton. A lot of underthrows that were occurring. Uh, one in particular I can think of was that seam route Komet had. It was just underthrown, like missed out on that. And the benefit of Mooney is because he's so fast, he can make an adjustment and get to some of those underthrows too. So uh, probably a combination of all those factors. A lot of very valid points. Uh, the noodle arm may be, you know, being the best one uh, that you made there because it was on full display all game long. Once Dalton wants to push that ball past maybe 10 yards, uh, you can tell he lost a lot of steam uh, on it. You know, he finished the day 33 of 48. No way he should have thrown that ball 48 times today. Uh, as I mentioned, the seven sacks, one touchdown, those two interceptions late uh, in this one. Uh, and that's how he's ending uh, the Bears career or tenure here and early on I know the announcing crew for Fox you know, very much you know what a tremendous great career Andy Dalton has had and that tune kind of changed towards the end uh, I know we talked in the preview show about Andy Dalton and you know he has one final chance here to put something on tape and film as he goes into his offseason looking for his next opportunity did he help or hurt uh, his standing do you think man if you're I mean if you're looking at the tape he heard it there is one of the things that they talked about in terms of why Andy Dalton was starting this year over Justin Fields. And then even some of the naysayers that kind of as the season has, has been wrapping up, maybe have been saying that, you know, Justin shouldn't have started at all. Uh, it should have been Andy the whole time if it wasn't for the injury was his pocket presence, his ability to go through progressions, not take unnecessary hits, all those things, the sacks. He lost how many yards on sacks like that? He just held the ball too long. I mean, they're definitely right. He missed multiple receivers. Uh, downfield we don't know the exact reads of course um again the lack of arm strength as we've already we've already talked about that's not gonna get any better <laughs> with another team you know next year or anywhere in the future so i would say you absolutely heard it the only thing helping Andy dalton is that there's a lot of not great quarterback play or players who might be retiring or moving on that he can take advantage of but 
by no stretch of the imagination should he just be handed a starting job. He should, best case scenario, be going into a competition and have to actually win that competition. Uh, any fond memories, any highlights of Dalton's time here that you want to reflect on at this stage? He rocked a pretty magnificent beard. I will say that. That was great. Uh, the first press conference that he had uh, over Zoom, and he had the perfectly coiffed hair, really fit that Ryan Pace brand, you could say. Um, and, but at the end of the day, like Andy Dalton is a really, he's a great guy. You know, he handled, I think, this entire season well. He was not put in a great position, you know, coming in and I assume was in fact told yet yeah, you are QB one, but oh yeah, fast forward, we're going to draft Justin Fields, who's going to set, every, you know, the entire fan base on fire in terms of just their mere presence. Uh, what he's able to do there, he's done stuff for the community. He made a donation to the Parker Dickerson fund. So that was fantastic on his end. He didn't have to do that, you know, especially in a city that to an extent re- rejected him. For really, from from the, the time that he was signed, no one was happy about it. Um, and that only intensified with the Justin Fields signing. So, you know, just a great guy. But in terms of actual play, probably the one highlight that stands out was in the preseason, the deep ball to Rodney Adams against uh-huh. the Bills, I think. Because that was the moment where I was like, okay, so maybe if Justin doesn't start, like, you know, this could be something. He'll Tandy Dalton can hold down the fort. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. Even that ball was underthrown. It was. <laughs> I remember that one fondly as well. Uh, so when I'm looking at this Bears offense, just in general now, you know, the season's over. I don't think that all the stats really matter from this game or anything of that nature. Uh, we have some young guys uh, that I'm still excited to build this offense around, whether it's David Montgomery and Kula Herbert Tandem, Darnell Mooney, uh, as well as I'm still kind of excited about Daz Newsom. Uh, I know he's not getting that offensive role yet, but, but what I saw to him in special teams today, all that energy, uh, whether it's Ezra Turner with well, pretty much playing with no fear. Like, you know, he wanted to score every time he touched the ball there uh, whether uh, on those punt returns here today. Uh, and he made a real good special teams tackle as well. Uh, what other, I guess, items or players, I guess, would have you uh, excited looking into 2022? Man, that's a really – I think Thomas Graham is someone that, while a lot of fans are kind of latching onto him because there's not a lot else going on, he truly does have some potential there. Uh, it may not be necessarily full out, you know, second corner, just because he does lack a little top end speed, you know, size, the athleticism is not jumping up the charts at you, but he plays smart. And so at a bare minimum, he could have carve out a pretty solid, I would think slot role, especially with the whole off season under his belt that he could work on that. Uh, we heard Jalen Johnson talking about how for him, the slot can be a little difficult just because he hasn't really played a lot. So, I mean, that's a hard position to play. So he's a player that I'd be really excited to see how, how the bears build around um and i mean there's the obvious ones roquan smith finally getting recognized as a top tier linebacker next year would is on my wish list if there's like a top three players i want to be recognized that's one of them um i want i'm really interested to see what cole Komet does this offseason like this if if this offseason and into next year you don't see some big steps from him that's a that's where now my concern comes in because tight end takes a while all those things that's where the excuses end like at this point, you'll have enough time in the system, not in the system, but with the, in a professional environment. You know, you're away from baseball enough, all those things. Those are the two that jump off the top of my head. You know, I'm excited about, yeah, Dave Montgomery, again, he's the heart and soul kind of of this offense right now. But the, he is a running back that you drafted in the third round. Is He's creeping towards Diapay, the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. That's that's a, that's funky. So 
there's more people leaving due to either lack of production, due to age, due to contract next year than there are people that you're excited about, which is a shame. And that's tough for what is going to be a rebuilding team. It's going to be interesting to see how the Bears approach this offseason for um, right now, like head coach, GM, what are they going to do? And then whoever's in charge of those decisions, how do they rebuild this roster? Like when you look at Justin Fields and what he has to work with next year, next year we know it's Darnell Mooney. We know it's going to have to be Cole Komet for better or for worse if he progresses or not. And then outside of that, there's this big question marks. I don't know about Demir Bird. Same thing with you know Allen Robinson. He's not going to be a bear next year, most likely. Uh, Jimmy Graham, same kind of deal. And then Marquise Goodwin. Like That's a huge chunk of who's here and that's not necessarily a bad thing because i don't think we've gotten the style of player the you know production uh, that we would hope out of you know that core group of players as well um, but there will be a ton of work with you know not the most cap room not a lot of draft capital so those are some of my concerns and again i think we saw that here today because uh, a lot of things had to go through darnell mooney or bust uh, and then when you get the fourth down you know the play calling i uh, didn't help at all uh any final words about this chicago bears offense in their last go about here for the 2021 season not not a lot to say there. Just it'll be interesting to see where the Bears go from here. Just because if you go, you know, let's say with an offensive-minded head coach, that identity is going to be really important. We've already kind of had the go-around of having the head coach play caller. Is that something that scares away the Bears? But if you go with more of you know maybe a special teams or a defensive coach, that assistant hire is going to be so important. Like I want to, I need an interesting, innovative offense that builds on itself and as of right now the bears simply just don't have that by and we can see that on a week-to-week basis and it's going to be really interesting how that next person comes in like you said uses some pieces that are going to have to be you know free agency undrafted free agents because they don't have all of the cap space they don't have really any draft picks they're very limited in that so it's going to be really kind of patching things together and Honestly, yes, impatience from the the general fans because it's not going to be fixed next year due to all that. Yeah, it'll be uh, a f- interesting offseason uh, how we try to taper expectations. Uh, from my experience in my lifetime, when Bears change head coaches uh, and make some personnel decisions as well, it, you can easily get hyped uh, when there is no football to be played and t- talk yourself up. Uh, and we want to make sure we don't have such a huge letdown, but I don't have any other final words. I'm glad uh, that you know Matt Nagy won't be calling another play for the Bears or Bill Lazor uh, for that matter, and this scheme is going to be thrown out the window, and we're going to get hopefully someone in this building that can utilize Justin Field, cater to his strengths, and start setting this young buck up for success down the road. Let's go ahead and jump into the third quarter of this postgame show. Let's talk about this Chicago Bears defense and Kind of like the offense, a tale of two halves. Early on in this game, you saw them wreaking havoc in and around the line of scrimmage, whether it's bottling up Dalvin Cook for minimal yardage, uh, getting into Kirk Cousins' grill pretty much immediately. Guys like Angelo Blackson had a hot start. Uh, Same thing with Bilal Nichols right up front. And then you saw some good things in pass coverage, which, again, that does usually coincide. Um, But as I mentioned as well, they let up 28 points there uh, in the second half. Uh, Kirk Cousins only completed 14 passes, but three of them – were touchdowns very similar to the last meeting when he didn't complete a ton of passes but had uh a, you know a decent amount of what two touchdowns two in that game but he only had to throw the ball like nine times in order to get it something like that mason i know you said it in the preview show you know kirk cousins isn't really good why did the bears make him look good again 
the biggest thing was once the Bears lost some of that pressure they were able to generate in the first half, he was able to sit back there much longer and pick them apart to an extent. And I say to an extent because it wasn't like he had these amazing precision passes. And you can highlight that with one pay and play in particular, the one where Eddie Jackson had picked up Justin Jefferson. He's with him the whole time, mm-hmm. like literally the entire time. <laughs> and then he just kind of looks up for the ball, loses it, and it's Justin Jefferson is like, all right, I'll just take this. Like there, there was no con- there was no contestion there. There was no contest there. And then there was the other touchdown pass where he had four Bears who were just kind of kind of near the defender, maybe within five to ten yards was kind of the range for all of them. But there was clearly a lack of communication. And that's plagued the Bears for the entire season, lack of communication in the secondary. Uh, you know, you had the Jalen Johnson issue where he didn't touch the receiver after he caught it. Luckily, Eddie Jackson came over and, and tackled, uh, pushed, you know, pushed him out of bounds and was able to, like, save a touchdown in that instance on that play. But th- there's just some funky stuff that's going on in this secondary, and that is something that has to get cleaned up in this offseason and next year. It's unacceptable that the Bears allowed uh, 208 yards receiving on only eight catches, uh, and that counted for 83% of the Vikings' passing yards for the entire game, just eight uh, receptions that they allowed again 208 yards that's uh pretty bad uh, was that divided by five that's like 40 yards a catch uh, on just on those eight plays uh, in of itself uh so yeah uh it's tough uh, because earlier in the game well, when the defense was really firing on all cylinders i'm sitting there thinking you know sean desai has done a real good job this season first year's uh you know defensive coordinator we knew he had to grow into this role it wasn't always easy but now down the stretch his guys are playing with a lot of energy they're playing well and he's doing that with a secondary that we all believe the talent level suspect uh, he's doing that without khalil mack for the last 11 weeks now and then <laughs> they go out and they have the second half that they did and it has me i'm not purely second guessing but I don't know. I feel bad that that tweet's out there right now. What about you? Would, and I know whoever gets hired as head coach, they're going to have their you know, fair share of who's going to be on their staff. Uh, do you hope that they would retain Sean Desai as defensive coordinator at this stage? Or do you want them to maybe look elsewhere? And I know Fangio just getting fired as well. People are excited about a possible uh, reunion, whether it's with Chicago, whether it's with Harbaugh, whether it's with both. Um, but I'm just curious your thoughts on, you know, Sean Desai after now his first full year as defensive coordinator, if he deserves a shot to come back here despite a change at head coach. He absolutely deserves at a minimum an interview, right? He, whoever gets hired as head coach sitting down and, and saying, all right, Sean, why should you be retained as that defensive coordinator? Because we've seen glimmers. We've seen some positive stuff, whether you're sucking this game in particular or over the course of the season. Now, the problem is that there have also been some big misses, like the second half of this game or just other games in general where you do question, like, what is going on currently with this defense or, like, the communication in the secondary that I was just talking about earlier. Is that a coaching issue where that's not being pressed upon enough or is that simply on the players that – at some because at some point the players have to be held responsible for ultimately the actions on the field. The coach can only put them in, you know, do so much there. So there has to be conversation. Now, I'm someone, too, that I, I it sucks when someone gets away – Right. You know, Staley is a good example of that, um, where he was able to move on and, and do some pretty great stuff. And you don't want that someone else benefiting because you cut something too early. Uh, I think Sean Desai has gotten some pretty good recognition around the league and people have whispers that, you know, he will generate interest in other positions if he were to be let go. Vic Fangio is interesting. He is, uh, you know, he obviously 
created one of the best defenses that the Bears have ever had in 2018. He was a part of that. He was same thing there. He was retained, uh, you know, after the Fox era, you know, but at the same time, retreads don't work a lot. Um, sometimes it's just because of, you just need like a different voice, different venue, things of that nature. It's hard to, you know, come back, not with tail between your legs, but come back after being a head coach, the defense coordinator place you already were. And, you know, there is such thing as trying to move forward just with young and ingenuity too, because how long is Vic going to remain coaching? I mean, is he going to be, if he got hired next year, would he be the defensive coordinator for another five years? You're going to be looking for a new defensive coordinator another year or two. It's there's, there's room for both in there. Um, I just, I would be really upset if Sean decided didn't even get the, the conversation. No, that's a very valid point. And, I think they would, out of respect, do that at a bare minimum. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out, but tough, I guess, position for Sean Desai right now as well to kind of get that promotion and then kind of being, you know, not handcuffed per se, but kind of tied uh, to Matt Nagy throughout this too. So he could be uh, someone who's ousted, who maybe doesn't completely deserve it. Uh, but we'll see again how it all kind of will play here uh, throughout the next few weeks uh, as we kind of keep tabs on things. Mason, what do you want to talk about from this Bears defense today? Again, early on playing well, playing at a high level, and then Every, it felt like they just kind of let their foot off the gas and kind of thought that the offseason began at halftime instead of at the end of the fourth quarter. That's what it seemed like. That's really the best explanation I can come up with because uh, it's the same players, first half to second half, right? Uh, and it's not like the Vikings did anything substantially different in the second half. The play designs, the, the play calls in general were all pretty similar. And so – did you just lose it a little bit? Or did the fact that the offense started sputtering even more so, you know, turning the ball over when they did, having to, to punt the ball like at, uh, from where they did have to punt it from, et cetera, et cetera, did the defense just run out of gas? Um, that sucks. You don't want to have do, do that. But I'd rather it be that than you just got straight beat. Because that, that just means you have to totally change stuff, right? The players you have just aren't the players you want to have there. If it's just been a long season, you're not really playing for anything, and it's like, look, let's just get to our offseason, that's slightly more acceptable, I guess. I'm trying to find the silver lining here. It's really hard to do that. Um, yeah. But what you did see was there's some some players that you could keep and build off of next year. Like you mentioned Blackson. He had a fantastic game. Because maybe you're not paying Bilal Nichols and you're keeping Blackson around. Because uh, you're, you're, you know Bilal Nichols is a agents Akeem Hicks is probably not going to be here you need to sign some of these people Jalen Johnson was fine well he has is, to learn how to touch someone when they're when they catch the ball in front of him and he's got this is in college he's two years removed now like that should not have happened that should not happen it was so that's a huge learning moment Roquan Smith keeps being Roquan Smith there's there's pieces but I mean there's there's nothing that happened today on that defensive side where you were just like ecstatic either no, I, I think maybe the Kirk Cousins fumble. I was ecstatic for a moment, a blip. Is that okay? There was that. Um, there was the Thomas Graham almost interception. Uh, I liked the effort to try to get to the ball. Yeah, it, there was a few of those where they were able to kind of get that ball up in the air. It almost felt like, you know what it felt like? That wild card game against the Eagles years ago with Nick Foles at quarterback. Like all the balls that are just up in the air for feels like forever. You can count to seconds and we can't track it and come away with those interceptions. And again, in a game like today where the final score doesn't matter, 
whatever you can live with it but if this was like week five and we lost by like a score we can look at those as like you know game changing altering plays that they yeah. failed to capitalize on so again context and it's key uh, here as well anything else uh, about this bears defense here today or just in general as you're looking at the season as a whole oh man so again just people leaving Deion bush Deshaun gibson both going to be gone who's going to be your they're going to try to bring one of them back. It seems like Gibson keeps getting these one-year deals from the Bears because he's been fine, right? I mean, it's not been terrible, but he's not been great. Uh, Deion Bush had blips here and there, uh, but he's never wowed you. So Alec Ogletree is another person, though, that I actually I would – I personally kind of want back, um, at least as a camp body that maybe you know, that can fill that spot. As you talked about, Will, there's going to be a lot of positions that need to be filled here, and you can't just get rid of everybody. Right, because if we do need to fill safety, that's a draft pick or a free agent. You know, we just talked linebacker, cornerback, because currently you're not happy, obviously, with what Artie Burns or Kendall Vildor are doing. Then you go to the offensive side of the ball, and the list continues. So for me, Alec Ogletree is someone that I was happy enough with how he played that I think he can be functional opposite of Roquan Smith. Because I don't think, I mean, Danger Bathin is, I think, out the door at this point. I mean, he just has proved not to be healthy or fun or productive enough to keep around. So uh, that is a person I hope at least gets maybe like a, a contract of some kind to see, all right, what can you come back with next year and hold for at least a year or two until maybe we draft someone or there's a, there's a free agent signing. Yeah, that's uh, easier said here uh, than done, Mason. Uh, other than that, uh, I don't think I have anything defense-specific at this stage. We have the whole offseason to kind of dive into every player, every position, mm-hmm. and figure out where it is and where we need to take it. Uh, so I don't think we need to you know, do that here uh, on this show per se. I guess that's when I look at this game in general. Uh, it felt like two teams, uh, for the most part, that were ready for the seasons to be over. I don't know if – the officiating crew wanted it to get done early or the timekeeper. But did you notice that running clock, like guys will run straight out of bounds and the ref even would do like, you know, the stop the clock. And then you look on the bottom of the screen, it's just a tick tock, tick tock. I don't know if it's like an unwritten rule in the NFL for games that don't have like any implications, like just get it done as quickly as you can. But that's what it felt like. I didn't think about it until I saw you uh, tweet out about it. And then then I looked like, Oh, you're right. This uh, clock should be stopped. What's going on? Yeah, no, uh, I'm not, no, I'm thankful. Uh, the wife's been doing a great job, you know, keeping the baby uh, occupied and calm. And she's been doing that for four hours now. So after this, it'll be my turn uh, for the evening. So luckily it's not stretching too far down here uh, for me. Uh, we can move in here to the, you know, special teams talk real quickly here. You know, Santos, perfect yet again. Uh, another player from Tulane that the Bears just keep, uh, you know, hitting with Matt Forte, Darnell Mooney, Santos, you know, there's something about those players that come from that school and come to Chicago. Uh, Daz Newsom, as I mentioned, impressed me with his part returns today. Uh, I like the mentality that he played with, always seeming like he was trying to score and giving his best effort out there. And even as a kickoff coverage guy, uh, being one of the first guys down there on the field as well. So for like your fifth, uh, fifth or sixth receiver on the depth chart uh, as a rookie in his final game like he, you can tell he was going to miss playing some football throughout this summer and was making the most of his chances anything else in this department that you want to hit on no it'll just be interesting to see what they do uh with that daz jakeem grant kind of combo because you know jakeem grant is currently would be a free agent do you bring him back uh that's just going to be money that's another thing they have to worry about or are you content with what daz newsom can give you for your punt returns and what Khalil herbert can give you for your kick returns and just, and just hope and just move on from Jakeem Grant. But uh, 
Grant factored in interesting to the offense. Uh, so that's uh, just another cog in the wheel of what will be going on this, this summer. All right. Uh, I don't think I have anything else here for special teams myself. So we can go ahead and move into now the fourth quarter uh, of the show. And Mason, uh, do you want to call an audible? Is there anything in this game that you wish you can change? I think this game pretty much went exactly how I would I'm okay with it going. Um, I don't need the the whispers and mumblings and rumblings of, oh, the Bears won three in a row and the offense actually started to look solid as the corner being turned. Um, I never root for a loss by any stretch of the imagination, but just the way that they lost just kind of fits perfectly with the story that's going on. So it's kind of nice to have a bow on top of that. So, uh, and also, uh, Justin Jefferson didn't get the record against the Bears. So that's one. It's nice not to be an anecdote in someone else's record book. So pretty much I am okay with how this game went. All right. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's over. Uh, And that's the best thing for us here uh, at the end of the day. If I had to change anything, it would be every single play calling fourth down. How about that? That would have at least been more interesting because as of right now, just seeing Elton run straight 10 yards backwards and getting sacked was not that fun. No, uh, not one bit. Let's uh, go ahead and decide who is the final MVB of the season. Mason, do you think we're going to have a consensus for the most valuable bear here today? I think it's clear cut. There's only one player in my mind that's really deserving of uh, you know our little virtual trophy on our screen, and that's, to me, Darnell Mooney. Again, 126 total yards on 12 catches. That's my guy. How about you? Oh, 100%. Uh, I would agree with that. If if someone on the defense had stepped up a little bit more, that would have been fantastic. But as of that didn't happen. And Mooney is one of his better games, whether it was forced or just because he was the only person actually getting open. All right, let's do our final two-minute warnings of the year. And Mason, that means you are officially up first. So let's go ahead and get into your two-minute warning. Don't want to beat a dead horse, but it's going to be consistent with what the last couple of weeks have been. Uh, we're looking ahead. That is what it is. There's going to be huge, huge changes, right? For in some instances, they're they're sad, you know, like a Nakeem Hicks moving on in, in that situation. Uh, some of them are going to be looked at overall on a positive, positive note, uh, like moving on from from a Matt Nagy. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what does happen higher up. There's tons of rumblings, obviously, going on with how the Bears are going to try to handle front office. We're going to just have to wait and see over the next couple weeks to a month because this has to get decided quick. Combine's coming up, and there's this, right, that's kind of the deadline that all teams set because you want your GM, you want your head coach able to give input at the Combine. Um, it's a little quick. I think there's, there's actually a great article by The Ringer that went out that talked about kind of the issues in terms of how football teams hire fire etc uh they're their head coaches and how it's out of date and out of touch with how it should be done so look that up great article i think because that's what we're going to be going through uh over the next couple weeks and really just stay tuned and be be ready to hear some interesting tidbits as they come floating out wow not even halfway through your two minutes mason there's there's just there's just nothing exciting to talk about like no even if, like maybe if justin had played it would have been slightly more interesting but also i'm not a person like i didn't need justin to play this game i'm good with it just don't need to get beat up in any stretch of the imagination the what 40 reps you're gonna get is not going to all of a sudden make next year that much better it's fine moving on you know i felt opposite of you on thursday about that but after watching dalton kind of get beaten back there as much i'm with you like i didn't need to see justin take seven sacks today although 
Justin probably doesn't get sacked the exact same seven because he would have been able to kind of get away from a couple of those defenders. But still, you get my point. He would have taken hits uh, that maybe we should let him kind of take it easy here uh, getting into that offseason, which, by the way, uh, post game, Darnell Mooney said that he and Justin Fields will begin their offseason training tomorrow. Uh, so they're already two guys getting excited and you know not giving up and putting their nose to the grindstone for 2022. Uh, so for me and my two-minute warning, my first in two months and my final one in 2021 season, oh, man, where do you go? Because, like, the Nat, Matt Nagy era, it's done. Like, and that's – I'm sad that I have to say that with, like, a smile on my face. You know, a few years ago, I would have – I would have been appalled if you're like, yeah, you know, the coach of the year, just give him two more years and uh, he's going to fizzle out and you're going to want him gone. I would have never believed my future self uh, in that regard, but you know, things happen and and here we are. And uh, we talked about it earlier in the show, Mason, that there's just so many things, whether it's the ineptitude on fourth down, uh, the offense is stalling each and every time they reach, you know, the 30 uh, of their opponent. There's just so many microcosms of what the Matt Nagy era was all about. And the big plays led up by the defense uh, when it matters down the stretch, not being able to play any sort of complimentary of football. You know, the list kind of goes on and on. But the positive is we can look forward. Uh, We can look at uh, what's to come. And there's so many unknowns right now. We don't know who's going to be GM. Uh, We don't know who's going to be the head coach. We don't know who's going to be honestly, any positional coach or the coordinator on each side of the ball as well. Uh, there's more than a handful of players on both sides that, again, are they back? Are they not? We'll find out. Um, all these unknowns, though, at least at this stage for me, does create optimism uh, just because, again, you can re- kind of retool, recalibrate, and maybe, you know, you're not looking at a Super Bowl here in the 2022 Bears regime, but maybe you're looking for steps forward. And that progress is something we haven't seen since 2018. Uh, we've seen a slow and steady death, and I'm excited to kind of, you know, rise like a phoenix yet again. Uh, with Justin Fields at the helm, with a new head coach, and a lot of good optimism behind it. So that's where I'm going to kind of end my two-minute warning. Uh, I didn't get any good tidbits here on Twitter uh, about anything Nagy said post-game, which is another microcosm yet again. Uh, Mason, anything you want to leave it on before I close shop? Uh, no, I, I. the only thing I would say is I think that this is going to this next couple steps for the bears might drag out a little longer than bears fans want it's not like all of a sudden you know tuesday we're going to, you're going to be saying hearing that this gm is this head coach etc so no it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of time and we're gonna to have to be a little patient just a little bit and i thought it'd be nice today for matt Nagy one final time uh, on this podcast mason uh and i don't think i've done it in years and i had to dig really hard in my hard drive to find it but why not? <laughs> you, you didn't like that? But it's, it, I'm mad because what a different time. Like, I, I remember how excited I was with Club Dub and with hearing the booms and, like, having the, the alarm that would go off right at the beginning of the game like when they brought that in for, like, the final game of the season, the Eagles game. I'm just mad because it was so fun. That 2018 season was so great, and then it was just downhill and sad. See, remember on Thursday when you guys kept stabbing me in the heart? I had to do You turned the favor, yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew uh, I can get under your skin a bit. Uh, and that makes me uh, a little excited. I, even Shadow says, the boom pisses me off now. I, I know, I feel you. Same. Uh, but it's good news. You never have to hear it again, at least on this show. Uh, I've never hit that button 
so help me God. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I just want to thank all the Bears fans. Again, 6-11 uh, year, you just watched your team or listened to your team uh, give up a lead, uh, giving up 28 points in the second half in a game that didn't matter. And you're still here listening to us talk about Chicago Bears football. And I think that's pretty damn awesome. And I just want to thank you for your continued support uh, of our show. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be doing off-season shows you know, starting tomorrow uh, on Black Monday. I don't know if Mason and I will be able to make that show uh, just due to work schedules. And if news breaks about Matt Nagy earlier in the day, uh, Nicholas Moriano, who was in Minnesota today to cover the game, uh, will definitely be here to kind of share some of his thoughts reacting to uh, the news that we know is coming our way. Um, that will be what's up next. Uh, the Bears season does officially come to a close. And for the final time this year, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.